Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. This is Jonathan here with Sean. Uh, we're doing the best of the rest. Uh, obviously, we've done 19 conference previews, which, for the record, is one one of the you know podcasts. I think this is that's the most by any podcast I've seen, uh, at least doing college basketball coverage. So, uh, but obviously, we are. Now eight days away from the college basketball season, and we still have some, you know, a little bit more than eight uh, leagues to do. So we're just going to bundle them all up into one and uh, give you kind of a lengthy, uh, just mid-major best of the rest conference preview. Yeah, we wanted to do every single conference, uh, all 32 this year in their own podcast, but time this, uh, was rapidly approaching. So that could not be achieved maybe next year. But for the rest of the leagues we haven't done, we're going to do them, like Jonathan said in this episode. And there's some leagues that are going to be pretty good that we haven't covered, like the Summit League. Obviously, Oral Roberts went to the Sweet 16 last year. Uh, so what's going to happen in that conference? That's what I'm very excited to talk about. So that that'll be interesting. Yeah, the the summit was like I was we we're kind of like uh, looking through the leagues we haven't done. The summit was the one I was like, man, I wish we would have done the uh, big breakdown of that because I obviously yeah. you have Max Acemus, but we'll we'll touch on it today uh, with this podcast. So uh, it should be uh, you know fun podcasts, and we'll go kind of in alphabetical order. Uh, I guess by that measure, uh, the summit will be last. So if you want to, you can scroll to the end. But I would recommend listening to all the rest. No, I, I would just wait till we get there. Yeah, you, you got to figure out about the American East first. You have to, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously college basketball now eight days away. Uh, we're going to do kind of like a preseason preview type of podcast. Uh, later this week, uh, that'll be coming to you. We'll do, go through like all American or like player of the year kind of predictions, uh, different stuff like that. Drew uh, Timmy. Yeah, Drew Timmy. Uh, spoiler alert, Sean's, uh, preseason player of the year. Back to back preseason player of the year, right? Yeah, and hopefully next year, hopefully next year he's back for his senior year and he could win back to back national player of the year awards, which I don't think has been done. Since did Tyler Hansbrough do it? I think so, no. right? No, he only got one. Blake Griffin won the year. Oh, right. He won, and then he returned, and Blake Griffin won that next year. Right? Huh? I, I don't. I don't know who uh, the last one to do it is. I guess we can find that out. But it's, it'll be Drew Timmy. That's that's what we'll have to. That's what we'll be looking forward to. Drew Timmy will be the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Although technically, I guess Luca Garza did win back to back, according to some people. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how you look at. It. I probably would have voted for Luca Garza to win it two years ago. I voted for Obi Toppin. So, yeah, I mean, I could have, I could have heard a good argument for Yudoka Azubuki too. I mean, I could have heard that argument. And I wouldn't have been against it. Yeah, I think it. I want to say I had uh, Toppin, Garza, Pritchard, uh, mm, mm. Powell, 
and Azabuke on my like first team All American list. Yeah, I didn't do any college basketball content two years ago, but that probably would have been what my first team would have looked like too. I'd have to I'd have to guess. Maybe yeah. uh Philip Petrusev would have been on there. He was he was like destined for second team. Mm, yeah, but he's a zag. You gotta have a zag on the first team. I mean, he he was the he was only the second best big man on his team. So yeah, it's true. That is true. Yeah. Second best big man equals second team All American. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. All right, should we get into the American East? Uh, we'll start yeah, let's that. do it. All right, so the American East. I think the big kind of storyline is just Hartford in general. They obviously they win the American East. Uh, played Baylor kind of tough for a little while. Baylor ends up like pulling away one seventy nine fifty five. But like Hartford was kind of in the game through the first half. Uh, so they obviously impressive season for them and. Now they've decided to go Division Three, which makes literally no sense. Yeah, that'll be happening in a couple of years. So they'll, they'll be in the Division One ranks for a few more years. And can they make their second straight NCAA tournament? They defeated UMass Lowell in the America East Championship game last season. That was a pretty interesting game. But they do lose a few key pieces here. Tracy Carter, I think, decided to go pro. And Miroslav Stoffel decided to transfer to Central Michigan. So that's two starters from last year's team that are gone. But you do get Moses Flowers back, who's a really good point guard. You add DeWan Clayton from Coppin State. Austin Williams is back. He was very good last season. Jared Kimbrough comes in from LaSalle, I believe. Yeah, he's coming in from LaSalle. So this should be a pretty good team. Hunter Marks, also very good. I, I think this is a good team, for sure. I don't think they are as good as Vermont or Stony Brook, considering what Stony Brook added, and Vermont's always going to be consistent under John Becker, and they return the Conference Player of the Year with Ryan Davis. So I think that they're third in the conference, but if they ended up winning the conference tournament, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think they're going to win the regular season conference. Yeah, they, they're. I, I would you know, kind of agree with that. I do think Stony Brook and Vermont just have kind of a major talent advantage on Hartford, but I think Hartford definitely, like, Sharpied in as the uh, – I, I would sharpie them in as, like, the three seed in the uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. They do return some pretty good pieces. Uh, as mentioned, uh, Mark should be kind of a really good piece for this team. Uh, obviously, losing your two best players in uh, Austin Williams, Tracy Carter, never easy. But, you know, returning, like, a, a piece like Moses Flowers, kind of a good guard, he should be big. Uh, Hartford, I, I, I would say they probably don't end up winning the American East, but, you know, if you, you told me, hey, you know, Vermont and Stony Brook went down early like they did a season ago, I mean, Hartford's right there for the taking. So, uh, they'll be at least fun, competitive, and, uh, have a chance to end up pulling, you know, maybe an upset here or there. Yeah, no doubt. And my number one team in the conference, I don't, I don't think we're on the same page here. I think you're going Vermont, but my pick is Stony Brook. I just love what they did in the offseason. They added a ton of pieces. Elijah Olani, who transferred to Miami last season, is back. He spent three years at Stony Brook prior to last season, but he averaged 10 and 5. 
at the ACC level played a pretty key role for a very injured Miami roster, and I think this is going to be a very good Seawolves team. I think they're the most talented team in the league pretty easily. Uh, Jaleel Jenkins was a big-time scorer at Fairleigh Dickinson. He comes in. Anthony Roberts comes in from St. Bonaventure, started his career at Kent State. He was a very good scorer for Kent State. Tyke Green started his career at Manhattan. He's a good guard that can rebound. Frankie Pulicelli, a big lefty forward that can really shoot the ball from outside. Omar Hobway and Jaden Sales down low, which is kind of the key to this team for me. You do lose Mo Gee, who transferred to Pittsburgh. So I think Omar Hobway and Jaden Sales will kind of dictate what this team's going to end up being because Gee was such a good defender and rebounder last season. I think they're going to need Sales to take a step up and Hobway to play a pretty big role. They're going to be able to win the conference. And at the guard spots, you also have Juan Felix Rodriguez, who was their starting point guard last season. He might not even start this year with the additions they made, but you have a lot of big-time scorers who were very experienced in college basketball. This is an experienced team with a lot of scores, and Geno Ford, I think, is ready to get this team to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I actually do now have Stony Brook penciled in. I was oh, kind you of, do? Yeah, so I, I think it's a very close race. I'm, I would say, like, Stony Brook, Vermont are, like, pretty clearly the two best pl- teams, but... I, I just kind of like Stony Brook, uh, obviously getting Elijah Alani back. Uh, he was huge two seasons ago for Stony Brook. Obviously didn't quite pan out uh, at Miami, but getting him back in the mix, I mean, that's going to be, I think, a big kind of re-addition. And then the other thing, too, is he's got, like, some uh, familiarity with the program. I think he'll kind of be, like, one of those transfers that obviously fits in better than most, and then obviously returning a player like uh, Juan Felix Rodriguez, uh, who's like a good kind of point guard, will uh, run the show at that spot. Uh, you you return that, and Stonebrook, I know they kind of struggled a year ago. I think they're going to be back on the, you know, contention. But again, it's like I would say Stony Brook's like 1A and Vermont's 1B. I think it's very close between those two teams. Yeah, and like Jaleel Jenkins, this is one of the more underrated transfer additions of the offseason. He was really good at the NEC level with Fairleigh Dickinson, and I don't think he's a high major player by any means, but I think he's a better player than the America East. Like, I think that's a steal at this level. I could have seen him playing at, like, the MAC, the MAC with 1A. I could have seen him playing at some of the other true mid-major conferences, but landing at Stony Brook, he had 1,698 points in four years at Fairleigh Dickinson, Shot 35% from deep, but he shot 39% two years ago and 38 last year. 86% from the foul line last year. He's just a very good overall scorer. He should make a huge difference, and there's not a better scoring duo in the conference than Elijah Alani and Jaleel Jenkins. Absolutely. about is Vermont's third uh, term. Uh, pretty much everyone, they do lose Steph Smith, who is off to St. John's. Uh, best of luck for him out, out there. But uh, Ryan Davis, uh, returning for another season, he took a huge step forward. Wasn't even a like double-figure score. I, I would have thought of him being like the fourth or fifth score for the team. And he ends up averaging 18.5 points per game, 6.5 rebounds. So him being back is going to be huge. Uh, they do return Ben Shingu, who uh, – might be, I, I would say, probably going to be uh, thrust into the starting uh, rotation. Uh, 
you know, they, they return a couple good pieces like Justin Mazua should be a good piece. Uh, Isaiah Powell will be a good player. So they, this is a, I think Vermont team that going into the season definitely should be kind of in the American East, uh, conference title race and they'll, they'll have a good chance to win it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just pretty incredible what John Becker has been able to do there. They're consistently a winning program, and Ryan Davis is a really good, a really fun player to watch. He was great last year, won Conference Player of the Year, big time season for him. But the biggest thing for me is losing Steph Smith. That's your best shooter, and I think the guy that's going to take over that role is going to be Finn Sullivan coming over from San Diego, a six four guard that can really shoot the ball. He should be really good at this level. I think talent wise, they're definitely behind. Stony Brook, but John Becker, with what he's been able to build there, if they wind up being the best team in the conference, I wouldn't be surprised, but but give me Stony Brook. Yeah, I, I would kind of classify it as I think Stony Brook has better talent. Vermont, though, has a better coach. Like, I, I think yeah, that's fair. John Becker, I'm kind of surprised he's still at uh, Vermont. I figured mm-hmm. some high major would have poked him by now, but... Uh, Certainly, I'd, I don't mind him just leading Vermont to the NCAA tournament every year, every two years or something, whatever it is there. So, uh, yeah, he's very good. Yeah, he's not going to be at Vermont forever. I think eventually he's going to land at a high major school or at least like an A-10 school or something. I mean, just look at what Steve Peichel, who was at Stony Brook for a long time, was able to do at Rutgers. He got them to the NCAA tournament something that looked very hard to do and is hard to do and could get them to back a back NCAA tournament. So I think John Becker would be a very good hire for somebody, and I think that's one of the top coaching hires that will be around this offseason. Yeah, I thought they would uh, – Penn State was going to go after him, but obviously they went with Micah Shrewsbury, uh, but Which is not... also a great hire. Yeah. But I think I think a school like – I don't I don't really know what jobs will open necessarily, but like if Kansas State opens, I think John Becker would be a good fit there. Just I just coaching wise, he's a really good coach. Maybe like I mean it really depends. I mean I guess it depends if you're looking for more of just like a long term rebuild. You're probably going for a younger coach, maybe a up and coming guy like a Dennis Gates or. No, I mean, Wes Miller's at Cincinnati now, so not him. Maybe Bob Ritchie or something like that. But if you're looking for a guy who can come in and bring you to the NCAA tournament pretty quickly, not that those other guys can't, but John Becker, if you give him an established roster, he probably won't be able to recruit to the same level those other guys can, but he will be able to probably bring you a lot of wins. Yeah, I think the one thing with Becker is he's, like, good at identifying what players do well and then – kind of fitting them into that role uh, within the offense. So, it, yeah, yeah. He's he's a very good coach. Um, might be a high major coach sooner rather than later, but for now uh, he's going to be at Vermont looking to lead them back to another NCAA tournament. Yeah, could happen for sure. And moving on here, uh, going to go to the Atlantic Sun next. Uh, Liberty dominated this conference a season ago. Obviously, Bellarmine finished second in the league, but they're ineligible for the NCAA tournament, so uh, Liberty had kind of a uh, cakewalk to 
the title. I guess they got in a tough battle against North Alabama, but uh, in terms of you know teams, I, I think Liberty is again the team to beat uh, in this league going into this season. Richie McKay has done an incredible job and returning a mid-major player, one that I kind of like considered for being like a top 100 player in the sport. Darius McGee is obviously going to be big, and Liberty should be back in position to win the Atlantic Sun uh, this season. Yeah, Darius McGee is an outstanding shooter. He can shoot it from anywhere on the floor, and that's really what he does. Great player. Uh, I I have Kevin Samuel from Florida Gulf Coast as a conference player of the year. But if Darius McGee ended up winning back-to-back players of the year awards, I wouldn't be surprised. But the biggest thing for me is what is Drake Dobbs going to do as a sophomore? You do lose Chris Parker, who was a point guard last season. Dobbs, now a sophomore, was okay as a freshman, didn't get a ton of playing time. But I think he could be a very good player for this team. But he's kind of the X factor here. Uh, Kyle Rode is back. Keegan McDowell is back. Blake Preston and Shiloh Robinson all back in the front court. Those should be good pieces. Elijah Cuffey also went pro, so you're going to have to rely on someone else at that three spot. That could be uh, a Kyle or a Keegan McDowell spot there. But I think I think at this point we can just trust Richie McKay to figure it out because he's been able to win. I mean, they, a few years ago, uh, or I guess last year, they got back to the NCAA tournament and they lost their best player from the previous season. I'm totally blanking on his name right now for some reason. Uh, man, how am I playing? I'm, I'll find it, but really good player. Yeah. Uh, K- Caleb Holmesley. Yeah. I don't know why I blanked on that so bad because he was a really good player and I think he's even in the G League. He might have had a few minutes in the NBA last season, but he was awesome at Liberty. He was gone after the 2020 COVID end of the season and then they were still really good last year. Darius McGee took that step up and with McGee back, They'll be riding contention again. They'll have other guys that take big steps up. And they also lost Scotty James after the 2020 season. So I, I'm at the point where I just rely on Richie McKay to be able to bring Liberty to an NCAA tournament. Yeah. I And kind of going back, I, I remember, I think it was Scotty James who had, like, the infamous flop hurt around. Yeah, the- yeah, against Lipscomb. Where it's like, um... Like, at first, he was, like, grabbing his face. He's like, oh, this player might get ejected. And it's like, he didn't even get touched. It should have been a foul. Hey, it worked. Yeah, they won the game. And went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and beat Mississippi State. But the thing about Liberty is they're just so tough to defend. They're going to space the floor out. They're going to play slow, and they're going to take a ton of threes. And if they're connecting on those threes – it's going to be a tough night because they can really shoot the ball every single year. They're one of the best shooting teams in the country every year, and they just get such good looks on the perimeter. Yeah, and the the other thing they do really good, I think this year they're going to be one of the better defensive teams. Uh, that pack line defense is always uh, tough to go against, so uh, the defense should be good. And, yeah, I'd, I'd say Liberty's going to win this conference I I would say somewhat handily, although Florida Gulf Coast, I do think, should be, like, one of the main competitors to them. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, adding in a giant like Kevin Samuel, who's 6'11", 260 pounds, however big he is, he's going to be a big piece. 
They add in Tavian Dunn-Martin, a 5'8 guard who is going to make shots at a high level. Uh, Matt Holstrom is back. So this is a Florida Gulf Coast team. Michael Fly, I think, is going to have this team right back in a position to uh, be like near the top of this league. I, I still think Liberty is going to win it, but uh, Florida Gulf Coast, I think, is kind of like team number two in this league. Yeah, Florida Gulf Coast was really bad offensively last year, and they take a ton of threes typically. 44% of their shots came from three-point land last year. They made 28% of them. That is absolutely terrible, and they really emphasize adding some three-point shooting options from the transfer portal. Matt Halverson, a great shooter coming in from Western Carolina. Uh, he's going to be a lights-out shooter at Florida Gulf Coast. Tavian Dunn-Martin from Duquesne. Austin Ritchie from Tulsa. Those are three big-time players coming in that will contribute right away. Then you return Caleb Caddo, you return Cyrus Largy, who were two of your better scorers last year, and then obviously Kevin Samuel, who was a double-double threat every single night in the Big 12. I mean, getting that guy at this level, he's going to be one of the best rebounders in the country. It wouldn't surprise me if he averaged like 17 and 14. Like, he's going to be a really good player at this level. There's just not many guys here in this Atlantic Sun that will be able to defend Kevin Samuel. Yeah, like, even when he was at the Big 12, like, he made a lot of Big 12 big men look small and would dominate on the post. Obviously, uh, working on his free throw shings can be something he needs to do. Uh, 38% not good. Yeah. Uh, 38% should be your three-point shooting percentage, not your free throw shooting percentage. Uh, so I, I do think there might be like a situation where if teams are trailing against uh, Florida Gulf Coast, they could do like a hack a Kevin Samuel or something like that. But uh, he's going to be very effective, and obviously if he can just become like a – 55% free throw shooter, 60% free throw shooter. That's going to be big for him long term. Yeah, definitely. And, like, this is a guy throughout his career, he's played three years at TCU, 37 games as a freshman, 32 as a sophomore, and 26 last year. He started every single game of his college career. Like, this is a guy that's played a lot of college basketball games at a high level in a really good conference. Like, he's been really good, but he's never shot the ball more than 6.8 times per game, and that was 2019-20. He averaged 10 points per game that season. He's probably going to average close to double the amount of field goals that he did uh, last year. He'll probably shoot it, like, 12 times a game at Florida Gulf Coast. If he averages close to, like, 17, 18, 19, maybe 20, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he's going to be awesome at this level. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna do very good. Uh, another player kind of in that player of the year watch list is Hassan Azdula. Uh, he, he was obviously very big for them a couple seasons ago. Didn't have a great year a season ago, but I, I think he, he'll probably be kind of back to what he was maybe two seasons ago. But this is a Lipscomb team. I think gonna be at least competitive. Probably not win. Uh, I'd still pick Liberty. I'd probably pick Florida Gulf Coast over them, but Lipscomb's going to be kind of in contention to potentially win this league. Yeah, I do like some of what Lipscomb has. K.J. Johnson is pretty solid. Uh, Asana Sajula, like you said, could be a conference player of the year candidate once again. 
Greg Jones is also back, but Jacob Ognosevich from Valpo coming in. He is a really good shooter that should complement uh, Asajj Lowell inside, six foot eight, and can stretch the floor very well. Should be around a 40% shooter this season for uh, Lipscomb, so that'll be an interesting player to watch. But another thing to monitor in this conference is the two newcomers, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State. I like Eastern Kentucky quite a bit. I think they're the second or third best team in the com or probably the third best team in the conference. I think I probably like Florida Gulf Coast more, but there's a lot of good pieces on this team. You do lose uh, Wendell Green, who transferred to Auburn. That's a big loss, but there's a lot of talent here. You get Braxton Beverly from NC State, who's a big-time player there off the bench and started a good amount. Jamaru Brown was the go-to scorer there a couple of years ago, but was injured last year, and that kind of prompted Wendell Green to have his really good freshman season so can Jamaru Brown be close to that 20 point per game guy once again we'll have to see Trevin Wade comes in from Wichita State Cooper Robb is a really good shooter then you have Michael Moreno who can stretch the floor Michael Wardy from the division two juco level he is an awesome athlete he's super strong and athletic he should be a good piece here at Eastern Kentucky Jansen Williams coming in from Marshall and then Kurt Lewis as a sophomore should be really good. Like, I could see this team winning the conference. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot here for A.W. Hamilton, and that's a big that, – that's a good roster for sure. Yeah, and the other, the other thing, too, I think Eastern Kentucky is going to be definitely interesting. They finished third in the Ohio Valley, uh, but when they played Moorhead State in the semifinal, it was by far Moorhead State's toughest game of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were right yeah. there with the chance, uh, ultimately – Game didn't go their way, but in that game, Wendell Green had a, a big-time performance. Obviously, he's gone, but this is still a team, I think, going into this season is going to have a pretty good roster, uh, and obviously adding in a player like Braxton Beverly, who may not be like a superstar by any means, but he's like a good, solid, uh, you know, he was a solid high-major point guard, and now... Going down a level, he should be very big. Uh, Jamario Brown, getting him to play more minutes. Uh, Michael Moreno will be a big piece. So uh, Eastern Kentucky definitely, of the two newcomers, uh, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State, I think Eastern Kentucky definitely is more likely to win this. But I do think Jacksonville State's not going to be bad either. Uh, Jalen Finch, Darren Adams, uh you know, that's a kind of good uh, one-two combination. So, yeah, Jacksonville State's not going to be a slouch any either. Yeah, Jacksonville State's not bad at all. Jalen Finch, Jalen Gibbs coming in from Mount St. Mary's, and then the two big men down low who both started at the high major level, Amonze Umeze and Brandon Huffman, who started at Nor- uh, North Carolina. He he was awesome last year. I mean, he never played a lot of real minutes at North Carolina, but he was really good for Jacksonville State. He's just a big dude that'll be a double-double threat every single night in the A-Sun, so that's definitely a team to watch out for also, but this is a much improved A-Sun, and they did a really good job getting two good basketball programs who are kind of on the upswing right now. They're both in pretty good stretches, so they should both be good big-time uh, contributors in the A-Sun. Yeah, the, the A-Sun, I think, is going to be one of those conferences that we're looking up here three to four years from now, and uh, obviously we're going to be probably doing that, uh, maybe more than we would even do like the American or something like that. Uh, so yeah. 
the ASUN definitely a league on the rise uh, heading into the future. And next league up here, it is the Big Sky. Uh, Eastern Washington, obviously, they win the league a season ago. Uh, the Groves brothers were fantastic, nearly led them to a win against Kansas, but uh, they're, they're obviously going to take a step back, and that leaves room for Southern Utah, who end up actually winning the league regular season title to be the favorite in this league. Yeah, Southern Utah was fantastic last year. John Knight and Tavian Jones is definitely the best duo in the conference. Then you have some other good contributors like Dre Marin, Mazin Fawcett, Malik Muhammad coming in from Central Michigan. He was part of the uh, Last Chance U Netflix series. He was on the East Los Angeles Community College team a couple of years ago. But there's a lot of pieces here. It's another experienced team. And Todd Simon really has things going for Southern Utah. They're the clear favorites in the conference in my mind. And Tavian Jones is just so good at this at this level. Yeah, Everett's nearly 17 uh, points a game a season go. Probably going to do similar thing at 6-7. He's just kind of a mismatch nightmare at this level. Uh, so he should be big. And uh, I would definitely say Southern Utah should be the clear runaway favorite, although I do think Weber State should should be kind of in that mix as well. Yeah, Weber State's really good. You had Kobe McEwen from Marquette. You do lose Isaiah Brown, who was your top player a year ago, but McEwen should be really good. Jamison Overton, a big-time shooter from Utah Valley. Zaire Porter is back. Dante Bassett, the former Florida big man, is back. Dylan Jones, who was the top freshman in the conference a year ago, is back. So there's a lot of pieces here for Randy Ray and Weber State. It would not surprise me at all if they ended up winning the conference. Yeah, they're they're definitely, I think it's kind of a two-horse race. I do think Southern Utah will ultimately win, but uh, Kobe McEwen, obviously a big-time uh, player. He should be a you know great piece going forward for this season's team. Uh, was kind of interesting was a great player at Utah State, goes to Marquette, kind of had to be the you know second guy to Marcus Howard. So now he gets to have retake form as uh, the you know key headline player this year. And I think it'll be kind of fun to watch him start to take over uh, for Weber State now. Yeah, and another team I kind of want to touch on here is Northern Colorado. I think this team... If they get things clicking, they have upset potential in the NCAA tournament. Just the style they play, they take a ton of threes, and they have some of the best shooters in college basketball. Bodie Hume plays kind of the four. He should be a good piece. He can shoot the ball. He can score on you down low. He does a lot, and he's a really good player, can rebound, could be a double, a guy that averages a double-double. He's one of the best players in the big sky. You've returned Dalen Koontz. You transferred in from Colorado a couple of years ago. Then you had uh, Drew Kuchshausen, who began his career at McNeese, or I guess he began at JUCO, but began his D1 career at McNeese State and was one of the best shooters in college basketball the last two seasons. Just an absolute sharp shooter from deep. He should be a really good piece for this system. And then Dalton Neck was one of the best scoring players in the JUCO level last season at Northeastern Community College. 6'7", can shoot the ball, can drive. He can score right from anywhere on the floor. I really like his addition to this offense. And then Kurt, uh, Joe Cooch come, uh, returning also a big man down low, high upside, another double-double threat every night. There's a lot on this team I like. 
So it definitely would not surprise me if they ended up having a big say in things late in the season. Yeah, and the other thing with Northern Colorado, they have such a like really good home court advantage. So they they're going to be like one of those teams, you know, Southern Utah, uh, Weaver State. They're going to be going on the road, and uh, they may not have it, and all of a sudden they take an upset loss here or there. So uh, with yeah. Northern Colorado, I think they're they're going to be like one of the best home teams in this league, and I think that's going to do well for them to at least be kind of in the conversation. I'm still picking Southern Utah and Weaver State over them, but Northern Colorado, I think, is a good pick to finish third. Last team I kind of wanted to touch on from this league is Montana. I think Travis DeCure has done a really good job with this uh, program, and this season, Kyle Owens should be kind of good piece inside. Uh, average 10.5, I think he kind of takes a step forward his junior season. Brandon Whitney was a good kind of freshman guard. I think he takes a step forward. So this is a Montana team. Uh, they were kind of middle of the pack, 7-9 uh, and nine in league play a season ago. I think this season they, they take kind of a step forward uh, and kind of are in that like northern Colorado tier of the league finishing like third or fourth. Yeah, I mean, when you look at things last year, I would say that Montana was pretty disappointing, all things considered. But they do return some pieces that I like for sure. And I think Josh Bannon as a sophomore, a big lefty that can shoot the ball, he can drive, he should be a good piece for this team. Absolutely. Uh, Next team, or next league up here, going to the Big West. This is the league of the UCs. UC San Barbara, UC Riverside, UC Irvine, uh, all going to be right there with a chance to win it. Uh, which one of those three do you like the best? I like UC Riverside. I think they have the best player, or at least the best guard in the conference with Zion Pullen. He could be a guy that you could see get a couple triple doubles this season. That's the kind of player he is. He fills up the stat sheet and shoot the ball. Really good on-the-ball player, great pick-and-roll player. He does a lot of things really well, and Mike Magpio is a great coach who's now in his second season. Dominic Pickett, really good glue guy, guard. He's back. Jalen Martinez comes in from UNLV. He should be a good piece. Uh, and J.P. Mormon coming in from Temple should be really solid also. Will Tattersall can shoot the ball. Flynn Cameron can shoot the ball. So you have some pieces that are going to be able to be your shooting specialist. You have some guys that should develop here with Martinez and Mormon's experience. And then Zion Pullen, I think, is a conference player of the year winner. So it, for me, it's UC Riverside, but it's really close one, two, three. Yeah, I definitely think could be kind of a fun race there. You, you see Riverside. I mean, Zion Pullum, as you mentioned, really good overall all-around player. He's going to be kind of a fantastic player to watch. Uh, Dominic Pickett, I think, will take it kind of step forward, the senior guard, Flynn Cameron. So th- this is a good roster, and you know, adding a pseudo-high major player, not sure the American is a high major per league at this point, but Pretty close to it in uh, Temple, from Temple, J.P. Mormon will be a, a good addition, and uh, UC Riverside certainly has a chance. Uh, UC Santa Barbara, though, they, they won the league kind of handily a season ago, but Jim Corey McLaughlin, he is off to the NBA as expected, uh, but still good hurt. But they, they have a great front court uh Amadou So is back for another season. 
Miles Norris is back for another season, so having that is going to be uh, certainly big. Uh, Josh Pierre-Louis is back for another season. He should be a good player, another t- former Temple player. I guess uh, the Big West has become uh, Temple of the West. Uh, so you see Sarah Barbara, Joe Pasternak, uh, they're going to be right there with a the chance to win this league as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Amadouso is really good. Miles Norris, really athletic, can shoot the ball and defend. But for me, the big key here is what is Zach Harvey going to look like? Former top 100 recruit, 6'6", widely regarded as a big-time shooter coming into college, but never really got it going at Cincinnati. If he becomes a big-time player here, it's UC Santa Barbara's conference to win without question. But I do like what UC Riverside has a little more. And then you see Irvine, obviously, right there, too, in the mix at number three for me. Colin Velp is back for another season. He could be the conference player of the year. DJ Davis and Dawson Baker as a good guard duo, both back. Devin Tillis coming in from UNLV. He's now a sophomore. Austin Johnson back. But you do lose Brad Green, who was one of the best rebounders in all of mid-major basketball last year. So that's a big piece to lose. I don't really know how you're replacing him, so that should that should be a storyline to kind of watch, see who's going to be able to take that rebounding load that Brad Green left behind. But you see Irvine really well coached by Russ Turner, and they should be in the conversation too. Yeah, they went 10-4 uh, in the league, finished second, uh, and ultimately was the team who did lose to UC Santa Barbara. You know, Congrats to Ja'Cory McLaughlin uh, on the uh, Mavericks, so that that's certainly big. But going forward, uh, UC Irvine, I mean, I think Colin Welp is going to be kind of a good piece for them. He's led them in scoring for, feels like, two or three years now. Uh, he's going to be big, Dawson Baker. So, uh, yeah, UC Irvine, they're, they're going to be tough to beat, and Russ, Russ Turner always coaches a great defense as well. Yeah, no question about it. The Big West, always fun to watch. I mean, late night uh, here here in, uh, I guess, everywhere. But, you know, East Coast probably leads you into the next day if it's a Hawaii game. Might be starting at, like, midnight Eastern. So that's always fun. There's nothing better than some late-night college hoops. It, the best part about this league is, like, the conference championship is at, like, uh, 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern time yeah. or something. And it's it's always like the last thing you're kind of watching. And mm-hmm. it's it's always fun to see. And usually the game's pretty good. It wasn't great a season ago, but that was just because UC San Barbara was too good. Yeah, and another team I kind of want to – I didn't have this in a – the actual preview part, but I want to bring up Hawaii because they have such a good home court advantage. It's a very far flight or drive or whatever, probably flight, right? It's pretty far for most other places. The time difference, it could be tough to get used to, but they have a pretty solid roster. They had Kamaka Hepa from Texas. He should be really good at this level. Uh, Junior Madute was good last year. Samuta Avea didn't play last year, but he should be back and be very good. He's a big-time shooter. Juan Munoz. Comes in from Longwood, he should be pretty good. Amaro Lado coming in from the Juco level, he's a good player, was originally committed uh, somewhere else. I don't remember where. Portland State, I think. So he he's now at Hawaii, he should be a good piece. Uh, Bernardo Da Silva is a big man down low. Jerome Desrosiers coming in from Princeton, he's a big man that can stretch the floor. So with the home court advantage Hawaii has, 
with a much improved roster from last season, I think they could be in the top four of the conference, and I wouldn't be very surprised. I don't think they're going to win the conference tournament, but they have that advantage, and they have a pretty talented roster. They should play the conference tournament in Hawaii. Hot take. And that'd be that'd be such a big advantage, though. Yeah, but it, it would be fun. Hawaii's also no because UC Irvine beat Kansas State a few years ago. As I'm saying, Hawaii's the last Big West team to win an NCAA tournament game, but that is not true. They're the second to last team. To yeah, win. they beat they beat USC, right? Or my imagining yeah. things. Okay, thought so. I think what was that 2016. Yeah, and Jalen Brown. I think like Jalen Brown and Ivan Rapp. Oh, they beat Cal. They beat Cal, not USC. Oh, yeah. They they played USC in the second round. Maybe hold on, I gotta look this up now. I'm very, I'm very. Yeah, they, uh, they, I don't think US. Maybe USC made it that year. I don't know why they I thought they played Cal. USC. Yeah, I don't know why I thought they played. I mean, they're same conference, I guess. Um, uh, let's see. It was. 2015-2016, they made the tournament. Let's see here. Okay, they beat Cal. They played Maryland in the second round and lost by 13. That was the uh, Jalen Brown Cal team. Maryland had Mellow Trimble, Jake Lehman, Diamond Stone. So this is a pretty good team. Yeah. And then I think Maryland lost to Kansas, who lost to Villanova, who won it all. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, if Hawaii would have beat Maryland, they might have beat Kansas, they might beat Villanova, and then they would have won it all. Man, what could have been? What could have been Hawaii in the uh, Final Four? That would have been electric. I would I would have loved that. If Hawaii goes to the Final Four, uh, they should make a rule where you have to play the Final Four in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually am in on that. I like that. As is, they they should like they should play game in say tournament games in Hawaii. I think that'd be fun, but just the the amount of time difference from. Hawaii to the East Coast is like, what, four hours, five hours? So I feel like that would kind of not happen. Just do it. But, like, the Diamond Head Classic is always fun. I like yeah, the Diamond Head Classic. Yeah. It's always... Diamond, who, who's in the Diamond Head Classic this year? I'm not sure, but we did look up the Asheville Championship. Yeah, Asheville Championship's fun. Not really, okay. Minnesota's in it. No, not really. But Diamond Head Classic, Liberty, Northern Iowa, Wyoming, Stanford, BYU, South Florida, Vandy, and Hawaii. That's a pretty solid field. It's not a bad field. I want to say there's probably not going to be any fans there. Uh, I don't know if they've changed that, but I know for football games there wasn't for a while. I don't know if they've changed that, though. I know at the start of the season there wasn't, but I guess we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, the Diamond Head Classic two years ago uh, was pretty interesting because it was Washington, Houston, Boise, UTEP. Obviously, Hawaii was in there missing a couple teams. But, like, Washington, that was the point where, like, okay, Washington might be really good. And then they lose to Houston. It could not have gotten worse from there on out. I mean, it's been – they've, like, 9-13 and 
35 since then. Yeah, I think they lost that championship game to Houston, and then, like, the Quad A Green suspension happened. And yeah, I think that was, like, that was Quad A Green's last game of the year. It went all... I think. They, yeah, they, like, the, they beat Baylor in the first game of the year. Yeah. And then they just, it couldn't have gotten worse after that. I mean, it was just a disaster. They had two first-round picks, and what what a rough turn of events. Very rough. Uh, Diamond Head Classic, I'm going to predict BYU will beat Liberty in the championship. Yeah, I'm going BYU Northern Iowa, and I think BYU wins it. There's going to be a lot of three-point shooting in that one. I'm excited. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh one team that is in the Asheville Championship that we were discussing earlier, it is Princeton. And the next league in the order is the Ivy League, uh, with Princeton, of course, in it. I guess we, we can kind of just jump right into uh, the Princeton Tigers. They're going to be, I think, interesting to watch this season. I mentioned Nursen certainly as a good group. Ethan Wright should be a good guard. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, 6'2 guard, he's going to be a high-level scorer. They bring uh, Drew Freeberg back as well. So uh, in terms of the Ivy League, it's very wide open. These guys haven't played in two years, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch this season. Yeah, you do lose two key pieces from the last time this team played. Ryan Schweiger is off to Loyola Chicago. He transferred Six foot seven wing that can really shoot the ball in Richmond. Ariri Guzzo was a really reliable big man for this Princeton team. He graduated after the 2019-2020 season, so he is gone also. Jalen Llewellyn, former four-star recruit from Canada, he is going to be one of the best players, if not the best player in the conference. He is really good. Got to improve his shooting a little bit, but he can really score the basketball. And alongside him, you have a lot of shooting on the roster. Drew, Drew Freiberg, six foot seven, close to a 40% shooter. As a sophomore, Ethan Wright can shoot the ball. Uh, Ryan Langborg was a freshman a couple of years ago. He should be a good piece. And Jose Morales, five foot nine guard. He, he actually graduated, so he's not there. But, uh, Ryan Langborg should be really good. So there, there's some pieces here, definitely, but it's tough to figure out what's going to happen in the Ivy since they haven't played in such a long time. You don't know who's developed. You don't know what the freshmen are really going to look like because there's going to be two two different uh, groups of freshmen, I guess, technically, right? Because the 2020 kids and the 2021 kids, there's a lot of new players. I mean, it's just it's tough to figure out what's going to look like what, but Princeton is the team to beat for me. Yeah, they're, they're going to be good. Yale is always good. They uh... – Originally, when the Ivy League canceled and we thought, what are they doing here? Yale was the team they chose to represent them in the uh, NCAA tournament, so they're the last team to win the Ivy League, as far as I'm concerned. But Mm -hmm. as our Swain's going to be good, kind of surprising he decided to uh, come back. But I I do think... Yeah, I thought he would definitely transfer somewhere but he decided to come back and that's big time yeah so obviously we don't know how a lot of these players will uh play they have not played in two years and the last time there was a season they their season was uh cut short so 
it's going to be kind of interesting, but I do think Yale, I mean, James Jones has done a fantastic job at this program. They're going to be there. I, I would probably pick Princeton as well, but Yale certainly has a chance to win this league. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is a lot different looking Yale team. Like, they were 58th in Ken Palm in 2019-2020. They would have been, I, I mean, I imagine they would have won the Ivy League tournament. They did lose their last game of the season at Harvard. That's not always an easy game. But Yale, uh, there's only four teams in the Ivy League tournament, so I think they would have won it pretty easily. You do lose from that team. You lose Paul Atkinson, who transferred to North Carolina. or That's not true. Nor- Notre Dame, not North Carolina. Jordan Bruner transferred to Alabama and now has gone pro since then. And then Eric Monroe graduated after that season. So that's three of your starters from that team gone. You do get Azar Swain back, like you said. One of the highest volume three-point shooters in the country. He shot 243-pointers. He should be really good, one of the best shooters in the country. Uh, Matt Cotton is back. Eric Eric Monroe's gone. Jalen Gabadon is back. He's a big-time defender. And August Mahoney should take a big-time step up this season. Wyatt, yes, maybe takes a step up too. But, again, it's hard to know what we're really going to get from some of these guys because we haven't seen them play in a year. So, The last time the uh, Ivy League played, Yale was a projected number 12 seed. So. They would have made noise. I mean, look, I mean, there's a lot of, like, Azar Swain could have gone to a high major school if he transferred, and he probably wouldn't have been the best player in a high major team, but he could have been a good six-man that can shoot the ball. Atkinson's at Notre Dame. He's going to start there. Jordan Bruner started for a team that made the Sweet 16 a year ago. So that's three players who are high major caliber players that were on that Yale team. They were a legitimately good basketball team, not Ivy League good. They were legitimately good. And the five seeds that year that they could have played were Wisconsin, uh, who now I guess all the players don't like each other. Uh, well, they're all gone pretty much now. Yeah, but they didn't like them each other at the time. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, who was like the best team in the country until conference play, so they might been beat Ohio State. And... Number two team on the 2020 fraud uh, watch list, the Auburn Tigers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were like, what, 13-0 and to start the year, and then Alabama beat them by like 40? Yeah. They were like undefeated and like 40th in the net. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean you just put – probably it's a bunch of bye games, right? Like Yeah. Like what was it? They started 15-0. They started but their best opponent was, according by Ken Palm rankings, it was Mississippi State, who was 48th. NC State was 50. St. Louis was 62. Richmond was 46. So they played a bunch of, like, borderline tournament teams, and they get blown out by both Alabama and Florida. The only team that was projected to make the NC tournament was Richmond. St. Louis might have made it. Not that year. They could have, though. They could have. They, they, they didn't play the A-10 tournament. They could have won the A-10 tournament. Okay. They did play Dayton tough, but they would have had to win that. They took Dayton to OT. I mean, Jalen Clutcher, he did it. Yeah. What maybe, a shot maybe, that was, by the way. Maybe St. Louis does ultimately uh, win... The A-10 tournament? Three-bit A-10? Yeah. 
I mean, that would have been awesome. Although it would have knocked out one Pac-12 team. That's fine. All right, next team, I guess, from the Ivy League. I'm kind of excited to see this team. Uh haven't seen them in a little while, but uh, Noah Kirkwood is back for Tommy Amaker's Harvard team. Tommy Amaker was, uh, I guess, the backup option to John Shire for the Duke job. So, what for whatever that's worth. But uh, yeah, that Noah Kirkwood's gonna be. I would say he might be a easy contender for Player of the Year in this league, uh, alongside like Swain, as we mentioned. But uh, yeah, Harvard's. I think it'd be at least decent uh, going into this season. Yeah, from the last time Harvard played, they also lose a lot of pieces. A lot of them were injured, though, with Bryce Aiken. He missed a majority of the 2019-2020 season with injury anyways. Seth Towns hadn't played in, like, two years off to Ohio State. Aiken is at Seton Hall. Danilo Jurich has transferred to Santa Clara and then is not with Santa Clara anymore. So he's gone, too, from Harvard. Noah Kirkwood, like you said, is back. Chris Ledlam is back. I think I think they're probably the third-best team in the conference. There's just so much unknown here with how they're going to replace Aiken and Towns, even though Towns didn't play for the past two years before that. But I think that Princeton and Yale returned the pet, the best two guards in the conference. So give me give me Princeton and Yale top two. Yeah. I, I, I'm – I'm torn if I'm going to pick Princeton or Yale. I'm going Princeton. Yeah. Uh, It's it's very close. It is, yeah. And you kind of just have to play a guessing game because, I mean, it's just so weird. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen, so. Yeah, and then you've got Penn maybe is going to be at least decent. Maybe. Yeah, you you get you get Jordan Dingle back. He should be pretty good. One of the best guards in the conference too. Yeah, uh, he should be good. So that'll be interesting to watch. Ryan Betley is gone from the last time they played. But then you look at like the rest of the teams in the conference, like Cornell. Jimmy Beheim is gone from the last time they played. He is at Syracuse. Terrence McBride is at Rice. He's gone. Brian Knapp. He transferred to George Washington. So that's three big players from a not very good Cornell team that are gone. And like Columbia, they've lost like their entire team from the last time they played. Uh, they lost Gabe Stefanini to San Francisco. They lost Patrick Tepay to Duke and then San Francisco. Jake Killingsworth transferred to UC San Diego last year. Uh, I don't think he's still with them, but he, he might be actually. Mike Smith went to Michigan last year. Uh, Jack Forrest went to St. Joe's. He's still there. So, like, everybody from that team, except for, like, I, I don't even know who's back. That was a big-time contributor, honestly. But they lose they lose pretty much everybody from their team a few years ago. That was one of the worst in the conference. So, Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to do that well. No, maybe. Uh, who's going to do that well in this league? Like, these it's hard to like not play organized basketball for a year and then jump back into it. And when you have an entire league doing that, like I, I, I would say the like Ivy league might be like locked in as a 16 seed. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't think we're going to see an Ivy league upset this year in the tournament. Yeah. Maybe in the future. Uh, but it's 
there's just so many unknowns. Again, like so many players that haven't played in too long. Yeah, yeah, very true. All right, next league up, it is the MAC. Uh, you have you have the bold prediction that Iona's going undefeated. I don't I think do. in the conference, in the conference, yeah. not in general. Yeah, although they could go undefeated, they only have no, they can't. They're going to lose Alabama. They only have to beat Alabama and and Liberty and Hofstra. I think they've got a tough knockout. Harvard, I mean, that's an easy win. App State, first game of the year, that's not an easy one. Tough one. Seton Hall might be a tough one. That's a tough one, too, yeah. See, I, I could see them being Alabama. They That's that's a trap game for Alabama, but Seton Hall, I think they'll probably lose that game. Yeah, probably. They'll probably lose both, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, we, we kind of... We've touched on it this off season. Uh, shout out to those who have listened to all the off season podcasts. Uh, you're you're the great ones. But uh, Elijah Joyner, Tyson Jolly, going to be I think right there to competing for each other to win Conference Player of the Year. Quinn Slazinski, uh coming over from Louisville is going to be good in the front court. So this is an Iowa team. Uh, we both think. They're gonna win and probably should not have been called an eight seed uh, in the MAC tournament last season. Yeah, yeah. The way the the MAC with two A's decided to rank the teams in the conference tournament was pretty dumb. I mean, they did it by overall wins, which I mean, they all played a weird amount of games. But Iona had like two very long COVID pauses, so they were the eight seed and they played Seton or not Seton Hall. They played Siena. And they ended up beating Siena in the first round. Like, that's the championship-level game. Like, they shouldn't have been playing Fairfield in the championship. That That's something that never should have happened. Uh, but when you look at this Iona team, the reason why I'm so in on them is because Rick Pitino is unquestionably a top-ten coach in college basketball history, by far the best coach in the MAC. Uh, there's other good coaches in the conference, for sure, but Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches in the history of college basketball. And then you had Elijah Joyner, who was a big-time player, 10-4-4 at Tulsa last season, a high-major school. Tyson Jolly, I mean, I guess you can call them high-major school if you want. Tyson Jolly was hurt most of last year, so I kind of ignore last year. He averaged 15 a game two years ago at SMU, big-time shooter. Should fill into Isaiah Ross's role pretty well. Barrett Jean-Louis, the best defender in the conference, maybe the best pure athlete in the conference, just a big-time impact player. Quinn Slazinski should be a very good player at this level. Played a lot of minutes for Louisville last year. He's a big man that can stretch the floor. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but he's a good player. Nelly Jr. Joseph should be one of the rising stars in the conference. I just, there there's, a, there's the most talented team in the conference, and they have the best coach in the conference. I can't picture anybody. Like, I don't, I'm not, I think they could go undefeated, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. It also wouldn't surprise me if they lost a couple of games in the conference. I, my prediction is that they will go undefeated in the conference. But if someone other than Iona wins conference, I would be stunned. Yeah, I. I it would like any game they lose is going to be like a six or seven point underdog type of loss. Like they they're probably going to lose because it's hard to go undefeated in a league, but. 
I don't think they're going to lose more than, like, two times. So, yeah. Yeah, at most. Like, I can't picture them losing, like, five games. Like, I just don't see that being in the cards. Yeah. Uh, I I would say five would even be a lot for this team. Yeah. And, like, the only team I see being really competitive with them is St. Peter's, but they are really bad offensively. They're really good defensively. Casey Nadefo. Had a lot of high major interest in the portal, but decided to come back. The top shot blocker in the country last year. He's going to be really good once again. Uh, Fusini Drame is back. He's one of the better scorers on the roster. Matthew Lee is back. And then you had Isaiah Dasher, a, a good score from Portland. But, like, this was a horrible offensive team last year. They could really stop you on the defensive end. But if they can't outscore you, that's for sure. Like, they were, what, 200 and... With three, 339th in offensive efficiency last year. That is terrible. Only one way to go, and that is that. I mean, yeah, that was that is terrible. They scored 70-plus points, let's see here, three times last year, four, four, five times last year. Their highest point total was 82, and that was in December. That's A lot not- of... A lot of 50-point wins here, like 47-40 to 40 against Siena on January 23rd. They lost to Fairfield 52-47 to 47 in the MAC tournament. Like, if, I, I can't imagine they're going to be, like, really good offensively. I think it'll it's hard to be worse, right? It's hard to be worse than what they were defensively. Daryl Banks is a really good shooter, too. But, like, there's not a lot of shooting here. Not a lot of offense going on, but if they can stop you defensively, they could win the game, but they're going to have to stop you defensively because they're not going to score on you too much. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So, yeah, St. Peter's always going to be, I, I think, going to be very tough defensively, probably like a top 75 defense in college basketball, according to, like, Ken Palm or something. But, uh yeah, they're not going to score enough to win the MAC tournament. I I would probably peg Mammoth as my like top contender to Iona. They add in Shavar Reynolds, who was not elite, but he was pretty good at Seton Hall. Uh, former walk on there, really kind of developed, and then obviously they do lose Dion Hammond, their best player. But George Pass Pappas is back for another season. He's going to be uh, fun. Going to be thrown down dunks with uh, seven seconds remaining in a game that is already over. So, uh, And King Rice, I think, is a pretty decent coach. So give me Monmouth as my uh, top competitor to Iona. Yeah, I think Monmouth is going to be a very solid team. You have a good guard trio with Shabar Reynolds. Like you said, George Pappas, who has one of the best dunks in college basketball history. And then Miles Ruth, who's a really disruptive defender. You also add Walker Miller. The, I believe he's a younger brother of Wes Miller. They're related. I think he's his younger brother. But he was a walk-on at North Carolina, now at Monmouth on scholarship. I think he could actually be pretty impactful at this level. Six foot ten was okay when he got on the floor occasionally for North Carolina. Obviously, was never going to play a big role there as a walk-on. But I think he could be pretty solid for Monmouth. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Monmouth. Uh, they're going to be interesting. But again, Iona's going to win this league by four or more games. Bold yeah, prediction. for sure. All right, next league up here, it is the MIAC. I think it's kind of a 
fun two horse race. Uh, Norfolk State they end up uh, of course winning the league a season ago, then of course winning a game in the NCAA tournament. Jalen Hawkins was absolutely huge in that NCAA tournament games, uh, and now he's coming back for another season. They also bring back Joe Bryant. Devontae Carter's gone, but uh, returning two of your top three link scores going to be big. So uh, this is a MEAC that is certainly up for grabs, and Norfolk State's in position to potentially repeat. Yeah, and NC Central will always be competitive. Lavelle Moten does a great job there. A lot of new new faces there, but Eric Boone coming in from Georgia Southern should be one of the best players in the conference. Asante Price, who started for at Georgia Tech, should be really good. And then another team who's my pick to win is Morgan State. Torian Ware is the best player in the conference, in my mind. Keith McGee coming in from New Mexico. Seventh Woods coming in from South Carolina. And then you have a lot of size with Loggio Grantson. Uh, grandson, maybe. I mean, that's a tough name to pronounce, but Lagio Grandson, he should be really solid. And Ty Horner coming in from the Juco level, a six foot ten big man that can shoot the ball. I like this Morgan State team quite a bit. They're really talented, and I think they are the team to beat in the MEAC. Yeah, I, I, I might stick with Norfolk State as my pick, uh, but I think this is kind of like a two team race here between Morgan State and Norfolk State, and yeah, certainly Morgan State. A program that is on the rise. They end up finishing fourth last season. Uh, ended up losing in the uh, tournament to Norfolk State. Uh, I believe that was in the yeah championship game. But Morgan State obviously returning a lot of pieces from that team, and then you know adding in a player like Seventh Woods, who if he can, you know obviously he was a former like top 50 recruit or something originally went to North Carolina hasn't panned out, but this is, this is his moment to kind of like show, Hey, I'm here to play. And uh, Kevin Brodus certainly I think has a team capable of winning the MEAC and advancing to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no question. All right. Next league up is the uh, NEC Northeast conference. Uh, this, this is a league I think definitely up for grabs. Uh, you know, you have Bryant who uh, is going to be tough. You have, uh, LIU Brooklyn. You have Merrimack who is still ineligible to compete for the NCAA tournament. I mm-hmm. think, right? So. Yeah. They have a, one more year after this one that they can't play in the tournament. That is unfortunate and dumb. All at the yep. same time. Uh, but let's start with Bryant's here. Uh, they they were certainly very good a season ago. Jared Grosso has done a fantastic job, and uh, they return a lot of pieces. Pierre Kiss is back for another season. Chris Child's back for another season. Charles Pride is back. So this, this is an experienced team. I think they, they end up winning this league uh, maybe by a couple games or so. Yeah, I think this is a really good Bryant team once again. They were awesome last year. They almost beat Syracuse in one of the first games of the year, but they went and upset UMass on the road. That was a pretty impressive win. They do lose Michael Green, who was a starting point guard for their team last year, but they do return just about everybody else. Peter Kiss is a player of the year in the conference in my eyes. I would have faked him to win it last year. And you also return Luis Hurtado. He was a good contributor. Chris Child 
one of the best shooters in college basketball. And then you had Tyler Brelsford from George Washington. You also add a few other pieces, Greg Calixty from George Mason. Your turn, Hollow Lizes from, uh, he's back again. He started at the Juco level, one of the best shot blockers in the entire country. He's a really good player down low. There's a lot here for Jared Grosso's team, and they are very fun to watch. Uh, Charles Pride also back. This is a very good team. I think they are the team to beat in the conference for sure. Yeah, and then I think Wagner's going to be kind of right there in position to at least compete for the league title. Uh, Elijah Ford is back. Uh, Alex Morales is back. So returning two wing scores uh, back for another season could be key. Uh, they do lose a couple pieces uh, on the roster, but yeah, Wagner is going to be, uh, I think kind of like they're going to be, I think the top competitor to Bryant for this league title. Yeah, I agree with you. Delani Hunt was really good as a freshman, Elijah Ford, and then Alex Morales was the conference player of the year last year, so he should be pretty good. You also add Jabril Price Noel from Pacific, so you had a pretty good transfer there. Uh, Wagner's going to be right in the mix for sure. Yeah, and then LIU Brooklyn, they're always tough. Uh, another team that can play uh, good physical team defense uh, and then have a chance on the uh, offensive end. Ty Flowers, Isaac Conte are both really good, uh, you know, interior scores. Uh, having that front court, I think probably best front court in the league. Derek mm-hmm. Kellogg has a, uh, certainly a roster. If you're going to, I would say Brian and Wagner are like one and then two. I'd say LIU Brooklyn's number three in this league pretty clearly. Yeah, the three, four, five options for Long Island is really good. Errol Penn, one of the best defenders in the conference, pretty athletic. Ty Flowers, uh, a big lefty four slash five that can shoot the ball, create his own shots. He's a very good scoring option, will lead this team in scoring more than likely. And Isaac Conte was really good, a double-double thread just about every night at Hofstra. So I expect him to be a very good addition for this Long Island team. Guard play is definitely a question. You had Tyree Pickron coming in via the transfer portal from Quinnipiac, but you do lose Vershawn Cotton, who was one of your starting guards last year, so it'll be pretty interesting to see how the guard uh, rotation figures itself out, but the 3-4-5 here, the forwards are great for this Long Island team. And last team, want to touch on Merrimack returns basically everyone from a season ago where they were uh, 500, so... Obviously not eligible, but shout out Merrimack. Yeah, Coach Gallo doing a great job at Merrimack. They're going to play tough on the defensive end. They were the best team in the conference a few years ago, obviously, their first year in the conference. Went 20-11. and 11. That was a really good season for them, but, you know, obviously they weren't going to be able to play in the tournament because the rules are very dumb. So, Yeah. Uh, it's like one of those rules, like, Whenever it was invented, it was like, oh, this is not a bad rule, but it's it's just, it it gets worse and worse with every year it's still around. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I get it. I get why it's there, but I don't like it. Yeah. And it's, it's not fun for the players either. So it, it benefits only the NCAA and I guess – maybe the leagues itself, but that's literally it. Yeah, for sure. 
right. Next team up here, it is, uh, or I guess next league up, it is the Patriot. And the next team up, it is Colgate, who ran away with uh, the Patriot League. Uh, yeah, I think they're probably going to do the same thing again this season. They do lose Jordan Burns, who was a big-time player, but uh, returning basically everyone else, Jack Ferguson, uh, he's back for another season. Nellie Cummings is going to be big. Tucker Richardson, uh, all three of them were uh, key contributors, and they have a dominant you know, two-man rotation at the front court, Keegan uh, Records and Jeff Woodward. So uh, this is going to be a team, I think, going to dominate this league pre-handling, and Matt Langle certainly has himself a very good squad. Yeah, Matt Langle's done a terrific job keeping Colgate in the conversation in the Patriot League every single year. Obviously, losing Jordan Burns is tough, one of the best players, if not the best player in program history. I think Jack Ferguson, one of the more efficient players in the country last year, takes a big step up. But if he doesn't, you have a lot of different contributions from Nellie Cummings and Tucker Richardson, Keegan Records, Jeff Woodward down low. Just a really good system, and I think Matt Langle will get a coaching promotion in no time. The only other team, only other team in the conference I can see being competitive really with them is uh, Boston. They won the conference tournament a few years ago. Uh, Javante McCoy is back. Walter White is back. They had Nevin Zink from USC Upstate down low. So they should be pretty competitive. They had a down year last year. They were the preseason pick to win the conference. They only played conference games last year, the entire conference. But, you know, it, besides besides Boston and Colgate, there's not a lot of competitive teams here. I mean, Loyola, Maryland loses Santi Aldama, who's their best player. Lehigh uh, loses some pieces. Lafayette loses EJ Stevens and Justin Jaworski. Bucknell, uh, they, I think they lost a couple of key pieces, too. Not sure off the top of my head. American lost Jameer Harris to Seton Hall. He was their best player last year. Navy loses, or Army loses Cam Davis. Navy loses a few pieces. So it'll be a lot different this year in, in the uh, Patriot League. Just based, there's not as much depth as there was last year, a lot less talent. But Colgate is the top team in the league. Yeah. I'd, I might say, like, Navy might be the top competitor to them. Uh, obviously, losing uh, Cam Davis is big, but. Do return John Carr Jr., who was a kind of good piece, and again they they were another team pretty well balanced. Uh, I think they'll be at least decent uh, and probably finish like either second or third in this league. Yeah, they did beat Georgetown last year. Yeah, which they went fifteen and three. Like they were sneaky, actually pretty good. But Cam Davis was so big for that team. He was just awesome in the mid range game. He was just lights out. I think Navy was allowed to play non-conference games. Yeah, I think they were the only one in the conference that did. It completely screwed up the net. Yeah. Oh, they were like way up there in the net, right? Well, they they were, and then when Colgate beat, because Colgate then played them and beat them by like 45 or something ridiculous like that, it was like all of a sudden Colgate was top 20 in the net for the entire season. Which, yeah. thank, thank goodness we have a normal non-conference schedule because we no, – no disrespect to Colgate. They're a very good basketball team. They're not a top-20 team in the rankings. No. Like, they, they, they looked like they could beat Arkansas for a minute there, and then Devo Davis just took over on the defensive end. 
which, speaking of, you released your SEC preview. Go read that. How dare yeah. you not have Devo Davis on your first team? Oh, did I leave him off? That was an accident. I meant to have him on. I don't know. It was tough uh, picking five players. He is – he he. I'll say I was incorrect. I might just go and change that at some point. But, uh, I mean, it's five players. It's tough. I should have just made it ten or something. So, I don't know. I think the SCC actually does that, so. Yeah, but we don't acknowledge ten-team list. But Devo Davis, I'm a big Devo Davis guy, so. Yeah, take John Fulkerson off. You have too many bigs. Eh, it doesn't matter how many bigs you have. I mean, the Big Ten has, like, five bigs that could be on the first team. Yeah. If you did a five-team list, I mean, there's going to be, like, seven big men on it probably because they do a ten-team, a ten-player list. Again, very dumb. Very dumb, yeah, big time. Yeah, but I, I, I would take Fulkerson off and put Devo Davis on. That's fair, yeah. I I like Sky Pippen. Uh, I think Sheboy in Washington. I mean, I think Kentucky's going to win that league by, like, two or three games. So. Yeah, Kentucky's good. I mean, they they look real good in the in the uh, white and blue game they played and the uh, exhibition they played. They, they look good in both of those. Ty Ty Washington, really good player. And the good thing is Kentucky is shooting, which it previously shooting was. and point guard play. Yeah. I think I think the best version of Kentucky is with Ty Ty starting at the one, but we'll see what ends up playing out. Uh, it him or Seville Wheeler, I would start both them, and then yeah, both are probably starting. But I I like a lineup with Ty Ty, uh, CJ Frederick, Kellen Grady, Keon Brooks, and Oscar Sheboy the most. Maybe even Shibwe at the four and Collins at the five, because Collins can shoot it a little bit. Not a great shooter, but he can shoot it a little bit. So, How about Shibwe, Brooks, uh, Grady, Washington, and Wheeler? That That's that's the five I would roll out. Yeah, I'm not a huge severe Wheeler guy. He'll be good if he stops shooting. The t- he's very good driving to the basket. He can't shoot the ball at all, and yeah. he's a good playmaker. Like he led the SEC in assists, but he also led the SEC in turnovers. He turns the ball over a ton. Like I'm gonna that's that's a big thing to watch for Kentucky if Severe Wheeler can limit the turnovers. Yeah, although if he if he can't, then you do Ty Ty Washington at the. Yeah. I just think having a point guard that can't shoot limits you a little bit. Yeah. At the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least Ben Simmons is like 6'10", though. Severe Wheeler is not 6'10". Yeah. All right. Uh, three leagues left. Could uh, go into two of the lower level leagues and then finish with the summit, uh, which is going to be fun. But uh, Southland first. Nickel State, I think, is probably the team to beat in this league. Uh, they they actually ended up winning the league regular season title uh, by a half game over Abilene Christian. Uh, so, and they're returning a lot of pieces. Ty Gordon's back for another season. 
Devontae Carter should be kind of good piece. Uh, Latrell Jones will be good guard. Uh, not a lot of front court pieces, but I don't think that's going to be too big of a issue. So I, I would say Nickel State might be my preseason pick to win this league. Yeah, I have New Orleans, but I think that Nickel State is definitely really good. Uh, you've returned Ty Gordon, like you said, you get a Devontae Carter back, or you get him from Norfolk State. He was their top scorer last year. Emmanuel Littles comes in from North Alabama, briefly transferred to South Alabama, but then transferred to uh, Nickel State. And then you also get Eduardo Delcadia from UNLV. He should be a good piece for this team. Latrell Jones from Portland. I have New Orleans first because I like what they did in the offseason more. But Austin Klontz is a big-time coach. He's probably going to get a promotion at some point somewhere else. But he's doing a great job there. But New Orleans, they return two extra-year guys. Derek St. Hilaire and Troy Green, the top two scorers from last season, are both back. You had Deshaun Allen Eikens from North Dakota. You add Daniel Sackey from Belpo. You add Robbie Robinson from Nevada. You add Simeon Kirkland from UAB. You add Tyson Jackson from Middle Tennessee. So you add a lot of really impactful players in the offseason with your two returning star guards. So that's why it's the privateers for me winning the conference. Yeah, New Orleans should be there. I, I'd definitely say like it's a two-horse race and really not much else competing for this. Uh, but, yeah, North North. New Orleans is always pretty tough. Uh, made the NCAA tournament under Mark Schlesinger pretty recently. I want to say yeah, 2017. Was, yeah, I think it was 17. Let's see. Yeah, 2017. So they're, they're always at least decent. They're like third or fourth or fifth in the conference. Uh, but I think this year with the, the amount of teams that, of course, have gone to the WAC, it's, it's pretty – wide open, but I do think these two teams of New Orleans and Nichols State have really emerged uh, because the the rest of the league, it, it's not looking great. Yeah, not at all. And looking, I'm looking at Torvik here. The Southland has Nichols State and New Orleans are 277 and 278, which I, I think may be a little bit low. Yeah, that seems that seems a little off. But uh, the next team, Southeast Louisiana, three seventeen. They're Incarnate, they're good too, yeah. Incarnate Ward three twenty, McNeese State three thirty three, Texas A and M C C three thirty five, Northwestern State three forty three, and Houston Baptist three fifty one. So yes, yeah. not and a Ken great Palm. Ken Palm has it, Nickel State 227, and then the next closest is New Orleans at 314. No, wait, Southeastern Louisiana at 314 and New Orleans at 321. Uh, next league up, it is the SWAC, which uh, might not be the worst team or worst league in the sport this season, uh, which is at least good. Uh, because I think the Southland will be, but uh, I, I think it's kind of an interesting race. You have uh, Grambling State, Jackson State, uh, certainly there. Texas Southern's always right there. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be kind of a fun league race. Uh, of course, a season ago, it ended up being Texas Southern won the league title, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think Prairie View won the regular season. Yeah. So Prairie View and Jackson State both went undefeated in the regular season. Mm. And then Texas Southern wins the tournament. So how about nice. that? Yeah. Yeah. My pick to win it this year, though, is Grambling State because Texas Southern loses a good amount of pieces, as does Prairie View. Prairie, Prairie View loses Cam Mack who is one of the best players in the conference. And Grambling State really adds a lot of talent here. You get Amari McRae coming in via the transfer portal from Portland State. You had Eric Parrish from UTSA. He just transferred in the other day. So that's a – I guess it's his fourth school. Started at Akron, was at Nevada briefly, UTSA, and now Grambling. He should be good. And then you get uh, Cartier Gordon, former four-star recruit. Started his career at St. Louis, went to DePaul, never played there. Went to a Juco where he was at for a bit, and then now he's at Grambling. Didn't play last year, but he was there. Prince Moss can shoot the ball. Cam Christian can shoot the ball. Terrence Lewis coming in from Iowa State and South Alabama. He's a three-time transfer. Daniel Kingsby coming in from Bradley. There's a lot of transfer talent along with the returning talent, which is why Dante Jackson's Grambling State Tigers are the team to beat for me. Yeah, I definitely think they have a good chance to win this league. Obviously, when you return uh, players like Cameron Christian, uh, Eric Parrish is going to certainly be good. Prince Moss is back for another season. That's a really good uh, front court. Uh, Kingsby should be a kind of good uh, type of lead guard. So, uh, yeah, the SWAC, I think, is definitely – I think it's going to be a close race. I, I think there's a lot of teams that could win, but Grambling State – Certainly, I think, has a good chance to win this league uh, going into the season. And on Cartier Gordon, just let's hope he can play because uh, he yeah. not, he's not been able to play for too many uh, times. So that that would be big. Yeah, that. and uh, I, I mean, actually, I think I'm going to change probably my pick here mid-podcast. I didn't know Galen Alexander was back at Texas Southern. I thought he went pro for some reason, but according to their team roster, he's back. So if so, with him back, I mean, you get Galen Alexander back. He was really good last year. Bryson Gresham comes in from Houston. John Walker is back. Uh, Justin Hopkins is back. Jordan Gilliam is back. Jordan Carl Nickel or Jordan Carl's Nicholas is back. There's a lot of size here. You also had AJ Lawson from McNeese State. There's a lot of size here and a lot of athleticism. I'm going to Texas Southern within the conference. Wait, Bryson Gresham? I did not realize he is on this roster. Yeah, he transferred from Houston a couple months back. He was in the portal for like a day. That's that's uh, that's definitely interesting. I, I, I would say with him on the roster, they certainly have a, a good chance – because he, he was – him and Gorm were uh, very good inside. Yeah, Gresham, so. Gresham was a solid piece there in the AAC. He should be really good here at the uh, SWAC level. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would probably pick Texas Southern to win. Uh, Gresham, Alexander are going to uh, dominate inside. Then you have Justin Hopkins, Bryce Etienne. So, uh, yeah, Texas Southern, probably the pick – at least for me to win this league. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's now my pick to win it for sure. I do think Jackson State could be up there as well. Uh, this is a team uh, 
last season, of course, going 11-0. and They do lose Tristan Jarrett. Uh, I think he's off to play professionally, but... Yeah, he's in the G League, I think. I think he got drafted in the G League. Nice. But they, they, they have been some uh, good pieces. Gabe Watson should be a fun player to watch. JBS McKinnis, a uh, good 6-7 wing. So, uh, yeah, I think Jackson State, while I would probably still pick Texas Southern to win this league title, Jackson State's at least going to be uh, a fun team to watch in this league. Yeah, Gabe Watson should be a very good piece for that team also. Uh, you also get Juwan Daniels back. He's really good. And Tristan Jarrett is on the Raptors 905 roster. And they also have Taj Eady, Justin Champagny, Blake Francis, David Johnson, and Giannis's younger brother. Which one? Alex, the youngest one. Oh, Alex. Yeah. I was like, so the, there's Giannis, there's Thanasis, there's Kostas. Now there's Alex. And Alex, yeah. Alex didn't play in college. He just... uh. I think he played professionally somewhere last year and then was drafted in the G League draft. That's an interesting team. Taj Eady, good for him. Yeah. Going to be fun to watch. Uh, last league here, it is the Summit League. This is my favorite league in the in the country. I mean, the, the, the amount of scoring here is off the roof, and, uh, of course, I don't know if we intended to do this, but we saved the best for last. Cause I, it is I the best for last. I mean, I love this conference so much. Yeah. If, uh, like, I was given one option, like, I can only watch one conference for, like, the rest of my life, it would be this one. Yeah, from a style of play standpoint, I mean, the scoring is going to be off the roof uh, in this league. And it should be no different. Oral Roberts, of course, they make the Sweet 16 – uh, run a season ago. Max Aismas is back. Uh, I kind of thought he would be turning professional, but I guess the scouts said you need to grow three inches or something, which I, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do, but uh, if he can, that would be big, but he's probably going to lead the team, the uh, sport in scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Let it a season ago and he had to give up shots to Kevin O'Banner, so now he he can just shoot all the time. Uh, Kareem Thompson's back. He's kind of a good uh, piece on the wing. Uh, Isaiah, Isaac McBride, former Kansas commit, played at Vanderbilt, now here at Oral Roberts, uh, should be kind of a good uh, secondary guard. So Oral Roberts, I'm not going to – pick them to win the league, but they they certainly have a chance to win this league. Yeah, I have them second. I mean, you do lose Max A or you, you get Max Aismas back. You do lose Kevin O'Banner, and they just complemented each other so well in the pick and roll game. Kevin O'Banner at the high ball screen, and then Aismas like they would set these high ball screens like sometimes close to like half court. Like they would go way out there, and then O'Banner would pop and hit the three, or Aismas sometimes would just drive or pull up. If he gets switched onto a slower big man, he could just drive to the basket and get right past them. But this team. For the reason I thought they had a lot of upset potential last year, and of course they ended up having that, was because they play like a very pro style kind of offense. The way they spread the floor, they're going to shoot a ton of threes. 
and that's really what they want to do. They're going to play small, they're going to play quick, and they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Shot 46% of their shots from three last year, but made 37%. But the biggest thing here was they were 82% from the foul line, which is like the best in the last 30 years. They were the best shooting uh, free throw shooting team in the country last year. Just a really impressive season from Oral Roberts. Kevin O'Banner is a big loss because of every, everything he brought to the table, his free throw shooting. Not a great defender, but he's in serviceable there. He can rebound a little bit. But that was a big issue for this team overall. They really struggled rebounding, and they really struggled defensively. They'll be really good offensively. Again, DeShane Weaver should slide into that Kevin O'Banner role. I don't think he'll be as good, but he could be like a 13, 14-point-per-game guy. Francis Lotsis is back. Carlos Jurgens is back. And then, like you said, you had Isaac McBride, who I think could be one of the, the better scorers in the Summit League here in a couple of years. And then uh, Trey Phipps from Oklahoma, another high-major conference transfer. Uh, and then uh, Sir Isaac Heron, a freshman, super athletic, six foot nine forward. I think he has a very high potential and should be really good at some point. But for me, the team to win the conference is South Dakota State. You return Baylor Shireman, a six foot six combo guard, can shoot the ball. Noah Friedel coming in, or he's also back. Douglas Wilson, uh, an athletic forward, is back. David Winget is back. Matt Denlinger is back. South Dakota State loves shooting the three-pointer also. They should be a really good team. Yeah, South Dakota State. Also, my prediction or my pick to win this league, I mean, you just returned so many pieces from a team that actually won the regular season a season ago while Oral Roberts, of course, won the tournament. South Dakota State, they, they play really well together. Uh, was the team that... I mean, they, they were right there. They needed the Kevin O'Banner tip-in to, uh, I guess, lose South Dakota State the game. But returning every piece that they do, I, I think the depth and talent of scoring is going to be big. I, I know Max A. Smith is going to win Player of the Year by a landslide, but when you have a team that plays really well together, scores really well together, probably going to be, like, borderline a top 25 like adjust the efficiency office offense in the sport like South Dakota State, I think this team should be and I think will win the uh, Summit League and have a chance to you know pull off an upset in the NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. And then North Dakota State also kind of in that mix. They were very close to taking down Oral Roberts. I I mean they honestly probably should have. Oral Roberts blew a massive second half lead and uh end of the end of the game play Sam Greasel drives the basket definitely a foul that was not called but that's fine because Oral Roberts ended up being in the NCAA tournament so you know whatever I'm cool with it but North Dakota State returned just about everybody except for uh, Jackson Notech who came off the bench last season Rocky Cruiser one of the best players in the conference, athletic, can shoot the ball, a really good piece there. Tyree Eady, Sam Griesel should take a step up this season. Uh, Malik Harden-Hayes back, Jarius Cook back, Grant Nelson was an impressive freshman off the bench back. He should be really good. The duo of uh, Cruiser and Nelson is going to be really tough to stop because they're both athletic. They can both block shots, and they can both shoot the ball. So North Dakota State should be right in that conversation with Oral Roberts and South Dakota State. Yeah, I agree. North Dakota State, Rich, Dave Richmond has a very good uh, team. Rocket Cruiser, of course, I think very, you know, the ability to 
step out and shoot it and, you know, score on the interior. They, of course, like, infamously, like, were right there with the chance to beat Kansas early on last season. Maybe they end up winning and get a rematch with Kansas in the NCAA tournament and uh, might be able to win. But, uh, yeah, North Dakota State, I think, going to be a very good team uh, this season. Of course, right there with the chance to beat Oral Roberts, lost the game. Could use that as some motivation going into this season. So I, I think North Dakota State definitely like right there. I, I, I'd say it's South Dakota State's my pick, but I would probably put North Dakota State at two and then or Roberts at three. Yeah, I think it's close. You could tell me any of the three you have number one and I would be fine with it. I don't think any of them are, you know, that much better than the other. I think they're all very good. I think all can win a game in the NCAA tournament because of the styles they play typically if you're going to win a game as a 13, 14, 15, I guess as a 16 seed, which we've seen once in the NCAA tournament, you kind of have your formula set out, right? You need a, you need a star player. All those teams have it. Ace Smith, Shireman, and uh, Rocky Cruiser. You need to be able to shoot the ball really well from deep. That's what the Summit League does. I mean, they all really shoot the ball well from deep. You're probably not going to have the same level of athletes as the power conferences, but if you have players that can shoot the ball and a good coach, anything can happen. So I think all three teams are very well coached. They all shoot the ball very well, and they all have a superstar. Yeah, absolutely. I think the important thing for this league will be who gets the number one seed, because if if you're in the 2-3 game, you're basically playing a championship game the night before. So if you get that one seed, uh, it, I do think it's going to be bigger this year than maybe it would be maybe previous years. Like last season, South Dakota State gets the one seed, and you have to play Oral Roberts in the uh, one-fourth matchup. Maybe you would rather just been a two seed and played uh, North Dakota State. But, yeah, I think being a one seed this season is going to be huge for who ends up uh, making the NCAA tournament out of this league. Yeah, definitely. It's always a fun league to watch. I would definitely say if you haven't checked out a lot of Summit League basketball, hopefully – Oral Roberts doing what they did uh, gets you interested in the league. But South Dakota, uh, they're not going to be as good this year as I would have hoped they were going to be. Uh, Stanley Umude transferred to Arkansas, but A.J. Plitzewite is more than likely out for the season, one of the best scorers in the entire country. So that's a tough loss. So South Dakota should be down this year. But if A.J. Plitzewite comes back healthy in a couple of years, uh, I guess a year after this one, South Dakota should be pretty good. Yeah, maybe like a two-year-from-now team to watch in this league. Yeah, I mean, Plitza White had like, I think he had like 37 in his last game of the year. He was a really big-time candidate I was hoping would break out this year because I kind of figured Umude would be gone. I wasn't sure if he was going to be pro or not. But in Plitza White's last few games of the year, I mean, his last three of his last four, he had 27 points, he had 34 points, and he had 37 against Oral Roberts. Max, let's see how Max Aismas did in this game. South Dakota lost, or South Dakota won, so it was a pretty good game. My computer's taking forever to load, so I'm not going to be able to. Or I guess I could. I'll I'll look on a I'll look somewhere else to see how they lost twice. Oh no, no they lost to South Dakota State and then South Dakota. But uh, Aismas had 36 and Plitzer White had 37. What a how about that? What a game. Yeah, how about that? That's awesome. 
I think Plitz White hit the game winner, too. I could be completely wrong, but let's just say I'm not wrong, and then we're cool. Uh, I've, I've, I'm not going to fact check you on that. If you want, go watch the highlights. Uh, they're probably yeah, do that something. if they exist anywhere. Yeah, the, the, it's a it's a uh, big world. So uh, highlights are everywhere. Yeah. All right. That's the last of the league. Best for last with the summer league. Uh, a last thoughts before we sign off here on uh, I guess all the conference previews all at once. Uh, no, I, th- I think, I think we're pretty, pretty good. Uh, you know, just a week away, just about eight days, I guess. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, then I guess it's seven days away from the first games of the season. Champions classic. Very excited. I guess we'll have to make our picks on the podcast at some point for that. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be having, Preview episode of that we'll do uh, later this week. We're going to do like a big preview or like an All-American uh, preview and uh, Final Four picks and all that. Uh, have like a massive preview. And then we'll give you know, the you know big time obvious you know game breakdowns. Uh, Looks like Kansas versus Michigan State will be first. Kentucky versus Duke will be the primetime game. You also have Louisiana Tech against Alabama going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, so I mean, there's there's a lot of games going to be you know interesting to watch and just good to get college basketball back. Uh, obviously, it, it's best sport we we think so and that's. Uh, mm. It's good that it's back. Yeah, no question. Very excited. All right. That will wrap it up for this episode of the Making Madness College Basketball Podcast. Stay tuned and subscribe, and we'll be back next time. Thank you.